on today's episode of Diving In. After the, the record deal and in like my mid mid to late twenties, I was like, I don't want to be, I want to, I want to figure out who I am and I want to be that person like a hundred percent, you know, boldly myself. And so I kind of started to like venture into that and just not caring, just saying whatever I wanted to say. And, you know, just, just putting out the music I wanted to put out, just, just wearing what I wanted to wear. Like I just start, I got kind of into this mode of like, I'm not going to like conform to that anymore. And, um, it's just not in my nature to conform. And I didn't realize that, I guess, until I was a little bit older. I was like, okay, this is not who I am. Welcome to Diving In, a podcast aiming to explore the deeper themes behind the entertainment and content creation industries. I'm Leslie Mosier. And I'm Marissa Mullen. Let's dive in. All right. I'm so excited for this week's episode of Diving In. We have Megan Lindsay. She's one of my very best friends here in Nashville, Tennessee, but she is also someone who I'm so excited for Marissa and I to talk to and get really vulnerable with and just hear about her experiences in Nashville and the music industry and just being a girl boss. I mean, there's no real other way to put it, but she's been the runner up on The Voice. She has had, you know, so much success in the music industry and I'm so excited to talk to her. So welcome, Megan. So fun. Welcome, Megan. We're so excited to have you here. Um, Welcome to Diving In. So how the podcast works is we start sort of at the surface level and then we go deeper and deeper into the depths as we dive in to talk (laughs) about life and everything from you know, your job to relationships to spirituality, whatever comes to your mind. But we have some questions to get us kicked off. So our surface level questions have to do with um, pets and food because Leslie, mother of Doug the Pug and the beautiful kitties, and I'm the founder of that cheese plate, all about cheese. So Leslie, let's kick it off with the surface questions. (laughs) So I know some of these answers, but I know our listeners don't. So do you have pets? And Tell us about that. <laughs> oh, Lord, do I have pets? I have lots of pets. I have three dogs. I have, uh, well, one one cat technically, but I feed a few. <laughs> and then I have some possums that I feed as well. So it's a lot. It's a lot of animals. Um, but I have two beagles and a morky. I have Betty oh. and Maisel and Charlie. And Charlie and Betty are like 10 years old. And then um, Maisel's like two and a half and she's a terror. But yeah, and then I've got Kiki the cat. <laughs> You're a big advocate for rescuing, which I think is amazing. And yeah. every time I every time I go over, I feel like you're creating some sort of new um outdoor cat jungle uh hideaway yeah. a heat heated. A, a heated house for a cat. <laughs> I think where do these possums come from? Yeah. I don't know. Are they we like live this- in the city? It's not like we live in the country. I don't, they just like pop, they know where to get food and a house that's warm. So then they just like pop in and you know. They, Are they nice? I've never been close to. Yeah, one. they're sweet. I mean, they're not going to hurt you. They don't really have. I mean, they have possums are misunderstood. They actually eat a lot of ticks and mosquitoes and they're like really, really gentle little creatures. I remember one time, Megan, we were over at your old house and you were like, open the blinds and it was nighttime (laughs) and I opened the blinds and there was a giant possum with its mouth wide open, like looking at me and we (laughs) like had a photo shoot with this possum. Well, they look scarier than they are. They're actually, oh, my beagle brought one in and put it on the couch. What? a few months ago. Yeah, like a baby <laughs> possum. And I sat down. I was like sitting on the couch to eat. 
and I looked over and I thought it was her toy and it started to move. Oh. And it was a baby possum oh that she had God. brought in. So <laughs> I had to rescue it and take it to, yeah, they rehabbed it. It was a whole thing. <laughs> well, love the wildlife. Love the dogs. We love animals here. Yeah. Um, and then to go on the other end of things, do you happen to like cheese? And I do. if so, what's your favorite cheese? Oh my gosh. It's um, a really hard question. I love cheese. Um, you know, I don't do I have a favorite cheese I don't know like I made a cheese plate the other day and there was this cheese on there and then I remember you know Tyler was like what's that and I'm like I don't know I just really like it um not like a <laughs> cheese connoisseur <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean it's good cheese. to just like it in general yeah. yeah I'll eat any cheese really any cheese will do for me but um well not like good cheese but yeah right. yeah yeah we have some class here on diving in you know yeah we <laughs> of course <laughs> I'll go to like the cheese. good cheese section, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not a Honestly, craft. it's like as as long as you're enjoying it, that's all that matters. You yeah. Know? It doesn't really matter what it it's is. It's not a good answer, I don't, but <laughs> I don't I don't judge I don't judge cheese here. All cheese is good cheese. All cheese is good cheese. cheese. I miss Yes. Cheese. So you two know each other. How did you guys meet? We met um through my fiance Tyler, who knew Leslie from um well, you had like seen a newspaper article or this, something? Yeah, this this story is crazy. So it's like a weird universe thing. So I was, what, 17, newly turned 18 and about to move to Nashville. I didn't know a single person in Nashville. I was about to go to Belmont University. And Tyler, Megan's fiance, is from where I'm from, which like is crazy to think about. And he was on the front page of the Virginia pilot newspaper and they were interviewing him. There was a big spread about his like career in Nashville, like killing it as, you know, a musician and a producer. And my mom goes, this guy seems nice. You should message him as like a mom would. And I was like, mom, like he's not, no, like, what do you mean? I'm not going to just message this stranger. And then I read his article and I was like, this might be a great networking opportunity or like, I guess I should. And I messaged Tyler and he was just so kind and was like the first person to ever like take me around. He was like, this is a good coffee shop and just like such good vibes from day one. And, you know, he became a close friend of mine. And then um, you guys started dating and I was kind of like, she's mine. I, <laughs> like, yes. and then now rob and tyler and it's just it's they have a, a bromance oh yeah. i love that it's a whole thing that's so fun like, what time. brought you to nashville in the first place megan music i mean i was singing and writing songs since i was a kid so like i just i moved here i told my mom i was moving to go to belmont but i was really um my plan was to drop out so <laughs> <laughs> so it is. Isn't that like most <laughs> most of the plan with studying music in college? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, this probably is not a, a great investment, really. <laughs> so I don't know. College is never like a bad idea, but it's just like I was already doing the things that like I wanted to do. Like I came here to, to sing and, and write and record. And I was like, I don't, you know, I was doing that. Like, and honestly, going to school was kind of taking up my time to do that. So I was like, well. I don't know, you know, we'll see how it goes. And it just, you know, kind of find your way, you know. Mm-hmm. And you're you're from Louisiana. You're from outside of New Orleans, Yeah, right? I'm from New Orleans. I was Ooh, born in New yes. Orleans. I grew up kind of like outside in this little town called Ponchatoula, which is like, I mean, really small. <laughs> but and really crazy because I never really thought that Louisiana was so weird until I moved out. And I started talking to people and telling them like, you know, 
weird things like we have this alligator in the middle of our town in a cage and like oh you know <laughs> all my random stories and people are like oh that's weird you know <laughs> yeah new orleans louisiana is an amazing place new orleans i got to go there a bunch with i used to work for john batiste oh yeah show. And he's like That's the cool. mayor of New Orleans. Yeah. And it's just the culture there and the music there. Like, did yeah. you grow up playing a lot of music like mm-hmm. in New Orleans and around the city? Yeah. My whole band was just like old dudes from New Orleans. <laughs> and Love I was that. like, you know, 16. So I learned a lot, I think, just like growing up in that, you know, in that culture and with those people and like just, yeah, that's a big part of like who I am musically, especially and just like just like a really soulful singer and I think that's probably why yeah I feel like New Orleans there's this energy with so many musicians I've met down there people just feel the music so much more intensely than Mm -hmm. somewhere I mean I'm from the northeast and I feel like up here we're all very like rigid and like we don't say (laughs) hi to each other on the street it's like very much like I don't know just the music down there though it's like yeah people are just eyes are closed you're like channeling a spirit when you play music yeah people are crazy too they'll just like run up to you and hug you in the grocery store and you think you know them but you don't <laughs> oh kiss you on the mouth when they meet you it's weird oh my god wow oh wow that's it's a whole a vibe. other whole other it's very southern. <laughs> man um so you moved to nashville and then kind of walk us through your journey with music. I mean, you you joined Steel Magnolia and like I, I would love to hear about just, you know, going from a duo to being a solo artist and that that whole thing. Yeah. Well, I, when I moved, I kind of started like working in like, you know, the bar scene downtown Nashville. So I like ran karaoke and, and did that whole thing. And then I met my ex uh, when I was hosting karaoke. He came in to sing. And so we kind of we kind of hit it off and started dating, and then um, we formed a band together as a duo called Steel Magnolia, and we saw this advertisement for this audition for this TV show called Can You Duet on CMT, and at the time, we were like an indie rock band. Like We had just come back from London. We'd been recording with this guy, Fraser T. Smith, who's a, a producer, and um, so we were kind of doing more of an indie rock thing, but this opportunity with the show came up and we're like oh we're in nashville like i've sang country music you know for a long time like we could make this country uh so we went on and auditioned and and got on and just kept like making it through rounds and and ended up in the finale and ended up winning the show and um so got a record deal with big machine and um made you know just kind of like went from there took our indie rock songs and put steel guitars on them and and just kind of turned into like this country duo thing and and did that you know for a few years kind of at that level you know doing the whole radio tour and touring with big acts and like just Mm -hmm. doing the whole the whole thing that you do when you get signed to a label the big machine the literal big machine (laughs) and yeah how old were you when all this happened i was 23 yeah i think i was 23 when we signed our deal and then um yeah it was crazy it was a wild wild ride And he was crazy, so it made it even crazier. (laughs) For those listening, um, Big Machine in Nashville is like the biggest label here. I mean, it's it is a massive um, label. I mean, Scott Borchetta, the creator of Big Machine, founded or signed Taylor Swift. I mean, there's a whole controversy about all of that. 
we don't yeah. have to get into that. But um, I can imagine as a 23-year-old, you know, going from working in karaoke bars to suddenly being on a major record label. I mean, that is that is the goal when you move to Nashville mm-hmm. and wanting to pursue music, to be on Music Row signing a record deal. Um, how did that feel to to accomplish that so it was quickly? Cra- it was very surreal, you know? Like, I feel like you're always, you like, try, you know, you work so hard to get to that, like, pivotal point, and then you get there and you're so busy that a lot of the time I wasn't even really registering what was happening. It wasn't until after it happened that I was like, oh, my gosh, we just played Kimmel or, oh, my gosh, we just, you know, played Titan Stadium. Like, we were doing crazy things that I had, like, dreamed of doing. Um, And it was, you know, sometimes you just have to, like, look around and go, oh, my gosh, like, this is really happening. And I had, you know, I was really into, like, you know, law of attraction and I'd I'd written down my affirmations and all the things that I wanted and I remember when we got our deal I ended up crossing everything off my list in a year wow Um, that That is wild yeah it was really crazy you know but it and a lot of that to be honest with you is just because I didn't know any better I think when you're so young like you just don't you just like oh this is how it's supposed to happen you know yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like okay Yeah. yeah I'm supposed to I'm supposed to be here and so I just assumed I was supposed to be there. And so, um, you know, that's kind of how I how I, I just rolled with it. And, and it just it was, yeah. it was great. And it was not great at the same time. You know, it is such a whirlwind. We were talking to Megan Trainer about this because mm-hmm. um, she similarly had that, you know, crazy. Yeah. Just bust into the scene at 21 and just yeah. dealing with like the you know, you don't really know what's going on. So you trust your team around you, but yeah. then they're not really thinking of you as a person. They're thinking of you mm-hmm. as someone who can make a lot of money really quickly. So mm-hmm. it's like the schedule and the events and everything that you're going through. It's like, it is so overwhelming and yeah. so hard to really like know what direction you're going in when you're in it. Cause you're on this roller coaster and you're like, yeah, Where you're just trying going? to hold on. Yeah. You're like, okay, yeah. well, this is what we're doing today, you know, and as you just kind of go with it, you know. I think for me, like, on top of that, I was in a duo with my my ex who, you know, it was just a really, um, I don't know, bad situation, you know, relationship-wise. Yeah. And so it was like a lot. It was just a lot of navigating a lot of really hard things all at once and then trying to also, like, take it all in and enjoy it and be grateful, yeah. obviously. It's just... um yeah, it was a lot to to handle at one time. Yeah, like relationship dynamics too when you're working together that closely and doing something so intimate like singing together mm-hmm. on TV, on like doing these shows, plus behind the scenes you're together, like that yeah. just must have been so much. It was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. I remember people after the fact, after all that ended and I kind of was, you know, you know, we had ended our relationship. I left the label. I remember people come up to me and they're like, you just look like so much lighter and so much happier. I'm just like, no one told me, you know, nobody was like, oh, you just always looked like you had the weight of the world on your shoulders. Like I just didn't realize that, you know, I was just living it. So I didn't realize how bad it was, you know, or how much it was affecting my mental health and like just um, how much of a drain it was, you know, at the time. I mean, it's hard enough navigating something of that scale with the right partner and mm-hmm. to think that you know you were so young and and just doing the best you could with you know someone who was toxic that must have been um a lot to handle so i mean that all happened and you know you made so many amazing connections around nashville and um you know had a lot of success with that and then 
this opportunity with the voice happened and took you to a catapulted you to a whole other, you know, level. And yeah. that was just you, Megan Lindsay. How, how was that? What, what's the story with, you know, going on the voice? How does, how do you, how do you get on the voice? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I wasn't like, honestly, I wasn't even trying to get on the voice. I was just trying to like, you know, figure out like what I wanted to do and trying to figure out my life and just rest for a minute because I had been so like, you know, beaten up over the few years that I was on the label and stuff. And so I kind of was point, like, how okay, old are you I'm, just I'm, in like, oh, what, sorry, at this point, like for terms of uh, timing, mm -hmm. how old are you at this point? Gosh, I was probably, let me think about this. Well, the voice stuff happened in 2015. So that was six mm -hmm. years ago. So I was 29. Okay, cool. But um, but yeah, so I I was kind of in this place where I'd been playing shows for a year or two on my own and um just, you know, trying to figure it out, making making my own music. And so I was in I was in line at the Panera Bread, actually. Love Panera. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, just getting my lunch. And um I got this uh call from this like, you know, LA number and so I, I answer it and this this lady and she's like, Hey, um, you know, a producer with the voice. She was like, we just watched a video of you singing Natural Woman on YouTube. And she was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was really weird. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, and she was like, yeah, we really want, wanted to know if you're interested in auditioning because we need female singers. They, they, they just didn't have enough females that season. And I was wow. like, oh, and I was like getting ready to like give my order. And I was like, let me call you back. Let me check out and call you back. <laughs> so I ordered a Panera Bread and I check out and my total when I checked out was 11.11 which is my, on my neck like tattooed on the back of my neck it's I got 11 on my wrist yeah I'm an 11 -er. and Leslie has 11 yeah. also yeah, we're, we're all, we're all 11 showing people, our right? 11, 11 tattoos all right we're, we're gonna we're gonna circle back to that later but <laughs> <continue>. <laughs> but I was so I was like okay so I, I'm like obviously I need to go so I called her back and I was like hey I'm like it's this is on a like a Tuesday or a Friday I can't remember but um let's just say it was a Friday and she was like, yeah, we're going to fly you out on Tuesday. And I'm like, well, that's really quick. Um, oh my but God. Okay. You know, why not? Um, so I just, I told Tyler, I was like, Hey, I'm going to LA. I'm going to do this. And so I went out there and yeah, like it was like a nine month process of like going back and forth and then finally getting into the lives. You're there for, you know, several months at a time and oh ended my up in the finale and came in second place. Wow. You know, I was like, I'm not expecting it at all. Like, I was just yeah. like, I'm just like going with it. You know, like, let's just do this. <laughs> this is what we're doing today. You know, so. Talk about whirlwind. I mean, going yeah. from like getting a phone call at Panera to suddenly you're gone for months and months. And mm -hmm. you and I have talked like just as friends about the the crazy realities of being on a show like that and, mm -hmm. you know, having people who want to dress you a certain way or, mm -hmm. you know, not being able to control, um, you know, doing your own makeup or whatever it may be. I mean, are you, are you comfortable like sharing kind of the realities of being on a reality show like that? Like, yeah, even, even down to like, I'm curious about the business side. Like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you had a song chart on iTunes, the Counting Stars One Republic cover. Like, mm -hmm. you know, were you able to see any of that? <laughs> yeah. Well, the 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 Counting Stars stuff kind of happened right before I was on The Voice. Um, but then I once I got gone on the show, you end up you have to sign your contract like, you know, before you, you even audition. So they you kind of don't really have any leverage there. Um and then 
just being on the show. I mean, the musically, I feel like I was really lucky because I was I was on Team Pharrell, and then I got stolen by Blake, and so. <laughs> Pharrell was great and then Blake was like very um whatever you want to do so I just would oh, tell him good. what song I wanted to do and then we would just do that and he was super cool about it um and then Tyler actually came out to LA quite a bit and he would sneak because we're you know you're sequestered so you can't have visitors so he would just sneak into my room and we would um <laughs> we would come up with arrangements for songs and he would write Whoa. charts and I would just go into the you know sessions with the musicians with charts That's <laughs> be like here this is how I want to do it so like musically I feel like I had it pretty good um yeah wow it was really more the you know my hair makeup wardrobe I hated all of that I mean I, everybody was super nice it just was like I had no control over any of it and so that really was frustrating you know yeah did they like because I know with all these shows I used to work at the late show it's like producing is a big thing and you want to tell a story and mm-hmm. there needs to be characters involved mm-hmm. and yeah was did they like really harp on like your duo career as your story like what was like your storyline to like yeah, I think it was like you know like a phoenix rising from the ashes kind of story where it was like I had this career and it didn't work out and like it was kind of like my second chance kind of thing and so that's kind of, that was kind of my narrative and I mean it was like it was really true to who you know who I was so I wasn't like upset about that or anything um honestly they were pre- I mean they were pretty good about that part of it um mm-hmm. there was only like one time I think they caught me crying and then they inserted it somewhere else (laughs) (laughs) they got me really tired telling you know talking about things that they knew were gonna make me cry but that was that was only a one time that was a one-time thing but um that was that wasn't too bad for me really it was just the the, just the you know i'm really picky about hair makeup wardrobe like i have kind of my own thing that i do and so your image it's what you present to the world yeah it's important yeah Yeah. so that's crazy that they like completely control that i never knew that yeah and they they want you to grow with the show that's what they always say so it's like you Mm -hmm. go into like you know your audition and it's like you can't have eyelashes you can't have (laughs) and then all of a sudden you're like you get better lighting and you get better clothes and you're like oh i'm a star now like they made me oh my gosh you know that's crazy yeah i never knew that Wow. It's wild. But um, but it was a good, you know what? Honestly, it was a great experience for me. I think a lot of it was like just I had been through so much at that point that I kind of knew what mm-hmm. I was getting into. I kind of mm-hmm. went in eyes wide open. And so yeah, like you already went through like the big machine of like the mm-hmm. radio and mm-hmm. touring and being like just doing all of that media trained work that yeah. maybe other people didn't have experience in. Do you mm-hmm. think that helped you in terms of um, like making it so far? I think so. Yeah. I think it helped me in, in a lot of ways, just as far as like, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's hard to know what they want. So it's like, like, the, I don't know. There's kids on there that, you know, have done very little and, and don't know a whole lot of anything. And they end up like winning the show. I feel like a lot of the time they kind of gravitate towards that because they want to kind of create something, you know, and mold mm-hmm. somebody. And so I, to be fair, I was kind of surprised I got so far. Mm-hmm. I think, um, for me, navigating the business of the whole thing, it, it really helped me because I, I remember going in, like, we have these meetings with the labels, like, as you advance, they start bringing in, like, label heads and stuff to talk to your group. Oh, yeah. And I remember the one guy, the head of the, I don't remember who it was, but he came in and he was like, this is the voice, not the songwriter. He was like, I know a lot of you think you're songwriters, but, you know, and we're, like, telling us they're going to, like, give us songs and stuff. And I remember having to sit down one-on-one with him, and um, I remember 
just looking at it and be like, but I am a songwriter. Like, yeah. Had, yeah. You know, and, and I've done it. I mean, I'd had a publishing deal with EMI at that point. I'd had, you know, holds with Beyonce. I'm like, yeah, I'm a songwriter. Like, this is also what I do. Like, so it just, I don't know. That rubbed me really wrong. And I feel like he was very like, okay, we're not going to deal with her. So <laughs> he didn't talk yeah. to me very long. He talked to like the, you know, all the 16 year olds for an hour. And I think he talked to me for about 10 minutes. And he was like, <laughs> yeah. You're like, I know what I'm getting myself into. Yeah. So. I don't yeah. want don't this deal anyways. So <laughs> yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I don't have nothing to lose here. You know? Yeah. And with the voice, if you win, aren't you like locked into something? But then if, if you, you win, you're locked in. They can option you. I think top 15 they can option. So, OK, but they so only probably- option 16 year olds, like four 16 year olds for my season all got optioned. So but you also <sighs> don't even want that deal. I know like. all of the deals Nobody I hear it. about mm-hmm. the t- yeah, like American Idol, like all the television. It's just so controlled and you have no freedom to do anything. You're locked into like three albums. It's just like, yeah. And then insane. they don't put your music out anyways. So it's yeah, like, like the guy, the kid who won my season, like he didn't come out with anything for a year and a half. Like I had my record out six weeks after the show ended. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. I feel like it does. It, it stifles you for sure. One thing I am constantly striving to do for my body is lower inflammation. Higher inflammation means more pain and discomfort. And that's the last thing I want. My number one go-to supplement for inflammation is turmeric complex by paleo Valley. I really, really notice a difference when I am taking this consistently. Their turmeric complex is made with full-spectrum, whole-food, organic turmeric. Most turmeric supplements only contain one specific compound found in turmeric root, curcumin. Turmeric complex contains four powerful superfoods, turmeric, ginger, rosemary, and cloves, the most potent spices for promoting healthy inflammation and protecting against oxidative stress. I'm a huge believer in high-quality supplements for our body, and I truly wouldn't recommend this if it wasn't really my go-to. For 15% off, go to paleovalley.com slash diving in. Man, what a what a ride. Yeah, that's so crazy. That's so crazy to hear it from the beginning, just knowing you for years. I, I, I don't know if I ever quite realized, like, I remember even, like, getting PM sushi with Tyler one night. I think... Rob must have been there. I remember sitting around and he's like, Megan's on the voice. And we're like, woo, like just from the back and knowing what you were going like through all that time and all the craziness. That's really, really wild. So, I mean, tell us about what you and Tyler do together. I mean, you guys truly like live and breathe music. Um, You're like a true testament to just like all day in and day out. You live and breathe music. Not only, you know, do you both have, you know, solo music that you work on, but you own and have created Bold Studio Nashville, which is for those who don't know, it's a very beautiful um, kind of like immersive studio. Like you, you, it's an all encompassing, you can do video shoots there, you can record and, um, yeah. Tell us about what you guys do together. Yeah. Well, we've been together. I mean, it's good. We're going on 10 years, like been together for nine and a half wow. years, which is <laughs> insane. Cause I don't feel like I, you know, it doesn't feel like it at all, but, um, yeah. So we met like, you know, a long time ago and we got together and just like, we were just doing our own things. Like he was touring, I was touring. We toured separately, which was really hard actually for the first few years of our relationship because we weren't like seeing a whole lot of each other. And there were times where I was like, I don't know if this is going to, you know, work. Mm -hmm. Um, But we just, you know, we worked through it. And um, 
over the last like few years, we've kind of created um, Bold Studio. Over COVID, we actually built this new space. Um, and it's just, it's been a labor of love. You know, we really, we love what we do and, and we want to just be able to do music and make a living at it. And somehow, I don't know exactly how, but we figured out how to do that. And so um, the space kind of just was, you know, right when COVID hit, we had a tree went through our old studio space and oh it gosh. ruined a ton of our equipment. And it, we, we were at the time, we're leasing a space. And so when the tree went through, it kind of like allowed us to get out of that space and really start thinking about what our next move was, you know? And so our whole thing was we really wanted to own something. And so we started building this space over COVID. It was a great, it was actually a really therapeutic COVID project because we weren't touring, you know? Yeah. And so it allowed me to be really creative in a different way than I had been, you know, just like designing it and coming up with the interior stuff was really fun for me. But um, yeah, it's been it's been really good. It's a great it's a great space. It feels so good in here, and I just like I'm so like every day I wake up, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like this is my life. Like I live in the neighborhood I want to live in. Like I have this studio space, and I'm so grateful for it. Like I truly am. I think, and I think that's kind of been the thread throughout my whole journey is that I truly am like so incredibly grateful for everything that you know we've we've been you know blessed to be able to do and build and create. So, yeah, totally. Do you find it sometimes being a little bit challenging being business partners with your fiance or do you think you guys just mold really well together in terms of like creativity and admin and everything you have to deal with? We're really good. I mean, like it's we we fight a little bit here and there, but it's like we we get along pretty well. We I feel like we balance each other really well cuz like, I'm really good at the things he's not so good at and yeah. vice versa, mm -hmm. you know? Like yeah. We both have, you know, opposite strengths and so I think that that makes a big difference but at the same time it's like we're both like you know we're both Sagittariuses so we kind of have we're kind of a lot of like I love that yes you guys so hustle. creative that's yeah. funny you guys yeah are we both, both hustle that's the thing like we both hustle we just hustle like in different ways yeah he's very good with all the tech stuff <laughs> clearly I'm not um, he's, very, <laughs> he's very good at that he's good with the you know just like the marketing and the ads and all that stuff and then I'm more like creative like mm -hmm. you know even when we're writing I'm more melody and lyric mm -hmm. you know he's more building the track you know when we're building a studio space he's like more thinking about sound soundproofing and I'm worried about like this black and white tile floor or whatever you know the amazing yeah. couch behind you yeah oh, the couch Megan. I got from Rock and Rhonda in Kentucky <laughs> Megan it. is like I've never met someone who is so incredible with DIY and I'm like mm -hmm. where did you get this amazing thing and she's like oh I drove an hour and a half away from Facebook marketplace and I spray painted it and look how amazing I mean it's just like what like I wouldn't even think to like look on Facebook marketplace for something that cool and then she makes it look like it's like the most expensive unique thing in the world I think you're you're so talented such a skill it is it is a skill and you walk into their studio and you can see it and feel it and it's just like so unique and it's not I don't know you guys just have a really amazing way of being really authentic and um going back to what you said about the tree falling through your old studio I think that's a real example of taking something that could have 
you know, kind of shattered a lot of people's dreams. They could have mm-hmm. taken it as like, I guess this is a sign that we shouldn't be doing this anymore. Or like, this is so stressful. All of our equipment is ruined. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I remember talking to you and we were just like talking about how like, no, like this is going to be a reroute, but it's going to be for the better. And what happened? You were able to get like your equipment replaced or someone was able to like I mean it all like worked out in a divine way it really did it really did well because we were kind of you know tied into this commercial lease on our studio which is like a three or four year lease and so when that happened it was like um it kind of allowed us to you know get out of our lease at a time when COVID was just hitting so we weren't going to be able to work um and so it it's just all like it all worked out you know ACM um lifting lives is awesome and they like helped us with our equipment and getting things replaced um the grammy foundation was awesome they kind they helped us along too and so we like we just were like i don't know it just all worked out for the best you know like at the time we were spent we were spending so much money in rent and so it was mm-hmm. like if this is we're in a way better situation now to own our place and to you know be able to do what we want and mm-hmm. yeah it's just a way better situation we kind of that was kind of our goal during COVID was to improve our, improve our situation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was one of those times where, you know, you could either like let it get the best of you or you can be like, all right, how can I use this for me? And yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys did that. So yeah, I want to pivot a little bit as we start getting deeper. Um, you and Tyler famously took a knee at mm-hmm. a Tennessee Titans game in 2017 and I have a very vivid memory I'm I'm connected in a very small way because you guys were group texting Rob and I right before that you got on the field and you were like I think we're gonna do it should we do it I think we're gonna do it and yeah. I remember being like do it <laughs> like not even like thinking I thought it was like fun I I mean obviously the the meaning behind all of it was very like yeah. real and important yeah. and I understood the gravity of that but I don't think I understood the gravity of what you would face after doing something of that magnitude on national television. So can you walk us through what what happened and what that was like? Well, and I think I, I think I did understand probably what the backlash was going to be to some extent. So that was kind of my, that's why I was like, oh gosh, do I do this? You know, like I know it's the right thing to do, but I also knew like, you know, there were, Gonna, there was going to be so much pushback. Um, you know, it was, it, it's, it's a crazy thing. And I, I remember the guy that hired, had like hired us to, to do the anthem or whatever scheduled us came up to me and he's like, Hey, just so you know, things are crazy. Like, cause Trump, you know, the night before had like, or the day before had called like all the players taking a knee sons of bitches or whatever. Oh and so it was like, he was like, just so you know, like all of the, um, anthems are going to be televised which i didn't know um you know nationally and he was like and the players today like aren't coming out so he was like it's just going to be you two on the field with like the you know the i, I can't remember who else was on the field but it was very like not I many just people got out nervous. there i just yeah. got nervous and i didn't have to do it yeah Oof. and it's nerve i mean just singing the anthem in a stadium is terrifying <laughs> yes. anyway yeah that itself <laughs> yeah it's terrifying i it's like one of i like it's always great like you you want to do that but it's always like oh god i can't believe i'm doing this um so 
yeah, there was a lot going on there and it was a full, you know, a full stadium of people. Um, you know, but it, I, I don't know. We kind of made the decision together because Tyler's playing guitar. Tyler actually accompanied me on guitar when I sang it. So we were like, let's just, we're going to do this together. Like, it's the right thing to do. I knew like being, you know, a white woman in country music, mm -hmm. like that was, you know, going to be impactful in a way. And just with the platform that I had that day, I was like, okay, I have this massive platform today to, to make a statement and do it in a peaceful way. And so we kind of yeah, just, I mean, it's amazing you did that. And I, I feel like, did you get a lot of hate after yeah. that? Like, well, and, and my whole career has been in the country music industry. And so like all yeah. of my fan base is in country. So yeah. I just got, it's, it start, you know, it started out, um, it started out really negative. Obviously the positive, I feel like comes later. Like it started, yeah. to, you know, I started to get more, more people, you know, rallying. But um, yeah, it started out really negative. I got a lot of like hate, a lot of death threats, a lot of like just awful, awful things. Like I had to have the FBI involved with my Instagram oh my because people were threatening me. And um, like at the end of the day, what we're talking about is literally taking a knee. Yeah, like not to, even like it's not even. Yeah, it's it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. And it just shows how freaking inherently racist the south is you know it's like the fact that people are that offended they're really like, offended yeah and it's it, just I, it's crazy i mean i had a guy pull in my driveway in the middle of the night like two days after i did that it was scary like he was going through his um trunk and he got a baseball bat out and he's walking around my house like we had to Megan. sneak out of our front door with our dogs in the middle of the you night you didn't and call tell me this oh i did and i probably don't want to scare you yeah, <laughs> I always find out things like scary things from Megan, like way after the fact. I'm like, you didn't tell me this. And she's like, I know you would have been really scared. I didn't <laughs> like, want to scare like, I, I didn't. I don't know. I told my mom because I was like, I don't want to freak everybody out. Oh. But like, we ended up having to like sneak while he was in the back of our house. Like, we snuck out our front door and we called nine one one, and the cops came. But um, like, create just crazy things like that. Like that, you know, it was really scary for a while and. I just so happened to be going overseas like a week after we did that. I was flying to London and I was like, you know, actually pretty grateful. That I yeah. yeah. Just to get out for a while with all that going on. It was so crazy. But yeah, that, but yeah I just, was... you know, I was like, I ended up writing, you know, an op-ed for the Washington Post and I ended up do a, doing a lot of follow-up interviews and stuff just because I wanted to really explain, you know, my case and like yeah. why I did what I did and have, you know, I wanted people to understand that it wasn't like, you know, people want to make it something it's not, you know, they want mm -hmm. it to be your anti-American or your, you know, yeah. whatever. And it, God, you know. the media is... <laughs> It's I just can't even get started with the media. <laughs> and, it's crazy. And trolls, like the troll culture, especially mm -hmm. on Facebook. Um, yeah. You know, you post something to Instagram Twitter. and Facebook and the difference in just comments and stuff, especially when it comes to something more progressive, it's really, really crazy. And the fact that it could get as far as death threats and someone showing up at your house, I mean, that kind of shows like the dire situation like yeah social media can put us in sometimes and um how just, like, powerful the lack it is of if, humanity like people don't realize like you're a human being like yeah people we are read wishing, this stuff yeah they're like, like writing me and like wishing cancer on my mom you know and i'm like and i was you know at the time like i was right before my mom got her diagnosis and i'm just like <sighs> people are just like really awful like 
Yeah. Like, you know, they forget like, I'm like, don't you have a mom? Like, <laughs> does it yeah. what, don't you ever think about what you're saying to somebody, you know? And so I don't know. It was, it, it was, you can't let it like, for me, I just try not to like let it, I try not to let it bother me. Sometimes it just, you can't help it. But um, yeah. I try to realize that like, I look at it like I'm not, I have to look at myself like I'm not human. Like I'm to mm-hmm. them, I'm just like, you know, this per like this thing, this product, you know, I guess. Public figure. Public yeah. figure. Yeah. And they don't look at me like I'm a human being. And so it's not even, It's I try to look at it like they're not even talking to me personally yeah Yeah. that's really good to do it's like you're almost like a brand you know and it's like you have Mm -hmm. to separate yourself from what is on social media and like this is my brand this is me and that's such a better way to to just protect yourself at the end of the day and create boundaries you have to for sure man what a thing to go through so the music business in nashville is super clicky to say the least can you dive into what it's like being a woman from the country industry who isn't willing to conform to the traditional standards that (laughs) um yeah i mean you know yeah it's hard it's not it's not easy especially like you know coming up like i was coming up like 2009 2010 Mm -hmm. so it was it's been you know, a few years ago. So think a lot has changed, I feel like, in the last few yeah. years, especially like with Me Too and like all the things mm-hmm. that have, you know, I don't know as much in Nashville has changed. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, it should. Um, but yeah, I, I you know, I don't know. It's 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 hard, you know, and especially as like a young, you know, early twenties girl on the road, like I just didn't like know I was very, I felt very like defeated a lot of the time, I think, just because I didn't know how to stand up for myself and I didn't know what to say. And I would just laugh and kind of walk away. And like, you know, that's kind of what you do. I think when you're young, you don't, you don't know how to approach situations. And if you do say anything, um, you know, you're kind of told to not say anything. Yeah. (laughs) And so that happened. I feel like that happened a lot to me just within like, you know, dealing with promoters and dealing with radio people Mm -hmm. and, um, so, you know, you do, you kind of develop this thing where you're, you know, you just, you don't know who you are. You're like, I don't know yeah. who I am. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to talk to anybody. And I kind of shrunk, you know, I kind of became mm-hmm. this small person um, just trying to navigate all of that. And then I, I remember like after the, the record deal and in like my mid, mid to late twenties, I was like, I don't want to be, I want to, I want to figure out who I am and I want to be that person like a hundred percent you know, boldly myself. And so I kind of started to like venture into that and just not caring, just saying whatever I wanted to say. And, you know, just, just putting out the music I wanted to put out, just just wearing what I wanted to wear. Like I just start, I got kind of into this mode of like, I'm not going to like conform to that anymore. And, um, it's just not in my nature to conform. And I didn't realize that, I guess, until I was a little bit older, I was like, okay, this is not who I am, you know, but coming from like, you know, kind of an abusive relationship and being on this record label and being media trained to death you know it was like I didn't realize that like okay I'm not this small person like wow you know so that's no it's hard yeah it's (laughs) It's hard and empowering and you know with the powers that be in the music industry it's you feel like you have if you're if you're going to be successful you just have to do what people tell you to do and I think 
you know, like you said, times are changing in many ways and there's people like you and, you know, Mickey Guyton and uh, Marin Morris who it's just like, no, like this is, this is not the same culture not okay. that it was. It's not okay. Um, because I'm a woman, you're not allowed to like make me, you know, like you said, small and less than. And um, so that, that, that must've been a really, you know, scary, but empowering shift to move into just being showing up as you for the first time, really. Yeah, really, truly. I mean, it's like, and it's, that's, that's the part that's sometimes I'm, I'm learning to navigate because I was like, I had all this success doing, you know, things that I don't feel like were truly me, you know, necessarily. Mm. Like I wasn't completely being myself. I wasn't really completely putting out the music I wanted to put out, but you know, but it was successful. And so I, I, I've had to learn to like, I, I used to kind of just push that part of my life away and be like, disso- disassociate from it, you know, mm-hmm. and I've kind of had to learn like, okay, I can be proud of that too, like that, because that's like part of my journey. And that's what oh, got yeah. me to this point, you know. So I, I've, it's, it's, a, it's hard to navigate at all. But you know, and you mentioned Mickey, like Mickey and I are really good friends. And we were, you know, I remember texting with her like a year ago and she's like, I'm done. She's like, I'm ready to move out of Nashville. And I was like, girl, me too. Let's get out of here together. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this town, you know, and and just, you know, and, you know, look at where she's at now, you know, and just, I think a lot of that has just been, she's been so brave and honest and like Mm -hmm, truly her authentic self. And I think that's, that's what cuts through. That's what's important, you know? Yeah. And that's what people want to see nowadays too. Like times have changed. And I think a lot of these record labels and marketing companies and um, like the powers that be in Nashville, like there's so much they can do, but if the people are not a fan of what the product they're putting out, it's not going to go anywhere. And I think that the audience now is shifting and changing, like with the rise of TikTok, with the rise of just like, all this information being able to spread so much Faster, easier and easier. quicker. Yeah. It's like people just want real, raw, authentic stuff. You know, yeah. it's like everyone's just sick of the, I mean, not that's such a generalization, but I think a big majority of people are kind of sick of this like corporate pumped out pixie stick yeah. stuff. <laughs> it's like, let's totally. get to the meat and potatoes. Well, now they get, they can get, you know, the real stuff like 24 seven online so they know yeah. what it, they know what it is you know yeah, whereas like, before they weren't really seeing that mm-hmm. and know. people people are you know finally willing to call those powers that be the the men in charge out for the things that they've done wrong mm-hmm. and yes. if you are open megan we would love mm-hmm. to hear your story um about yeah. what you've gone through in the music industry and the me too movement and if you are down, um, I do want to give a trigger warning to our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like it was actually before the Me Too movement, I had like written this kind of really just on my personal Facebook page. Uh, I wrote about this experience and just a particular experience that I had had because um, I and I've had many experiences, but this was just one particular um, thing that happened when I was out with Steel Magnolia on the road and this um, promoter came up on this, on the bus and um, he had grabbed me, you know, lifted up my skirt, picked me up and was trying to put me on a a stripper pole um, (laughs) in front of like, you know, a lot of really important people that were on this bus, like kind of like letting that happen and like thinking it's funny. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and I kind of at the time as like as you know meek or whatever as I thought I was I guess I was I had some you know spunk in there because I was like I kind of just kicked the shit out of him and was like put me down like this is not cool and he was really embarrassed um to the point where the next night he came up to me um side stage during the the show and he was like he whispered in my ear and he was like i have boats bigger than you could ever imagine and he was like i could put you on one and no one would ever hear from you again um he's like so just remember that and um I remember like all the hair on my body stood up and I was like, did he like really just threaten me like that over this silly thing that happened yesterday? I mean, it wasn't silly, but it was like, I think he felt, you know, like emasculated. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, he threatened me and I thought about it for a while and I I didn't tell anybody. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to tell my manager who was a woman and I think I'm going to tell my, my record label you know just so like they know that's happening you know Mm -hmm. so I told my manager and she was like look she was like this is how this is she was like if you want to play shows you have to just go with it you have to be cool and she's like and you never bring it up again and that's kind of that's what I was told by her and and later the label as well um so I I mean, I, rem- I had to go to dinner with this guy after that happened. I had to, like, be in rooms with him all the time because he controls a lot of things. Um, so it was, yeah, that was really hard because that's when I, I felt very, like, okay, like, very deflated, very defeated, very, um, I didn't know how to act around him, you know. I felt very insecure and, and weird around him, and I'm literally having to send him, like, you know, $900 bottles of wine and sh- stuff to like oh my uh, god try to get back on yeah these show circuits and stuff and so i don't know it was just like really um that was just you know and that was just like one example but i wrote that story i put it on my personal facebook page i was friends with this girl who is a writer for yahoo and she dm'd me and she said hey do you mind if i share this story she's like i think it's a really important story she's like i'd love for you know to get it out there so i was like you know what i didn't name names i was like let's just uh, yeah, sure. Like, it can't hurt. Like, it, it probably is important. Like, it's part of my, you know, message. And so she put it up. And I remember going on, like, you know, within within hours, like, it had, like, 500 comments. And, like, most of the wow. comments were, like, talking about how I'm lying, how that probably never happened. And, oh, poor her, you know. So I don't know. And it was right before the Me Too movement. So like none of that had really broken open yet. So it was, yeah. it was just before. It's like there's so much. The the world has changed so much pre and post Me Too. And how did it feel kind of after the Me Too movement happening and seeing all these people come out with their stories and having the, these victims be supported? Yeah. Did that feel kind of like a sting for you? Because you're like, wow, where were you guys when I came Yeah, out with story? I, I mean, I feel like that's kind of... <laughs> That's like a common thread in my life. I feel like, I don't know, you know, I feel like I, I just try to do the right thing and like, you know, and to be honest. And then like, you know, it doesn't always, you, you're not always like, you know, coddled and rewarded yeah. for that. You yeah. know, it's just kind of totally. like, okay, well, I didn't really do it for that, but it would have been nice to have had some support. Um, yeah. Maren Morris did tweet, I remember, and she's like, you know, she was supportive. She was like, Megan, you know, is a badass. And that's, yeah, was, I, I got some support there, but it was very few and far between it wasn't like you know so that was that was hard I, I mean and I talked to like 
I talked to other reporters at Rolling Stone and stuff, and they're like, hey, we know who the guy is. They're like, we mm. could get other women yeah. to come forward. Would you be willing to do that? And I was like, you know what? I don't know because it was it's so hard to go through that and to be, you know, so torn apart, you know, on yeah. you know, on that Yahoo article and those comments. I just didn't know if I wanted to do that at the time. I was like, Ugh, I don't know if I can go through all that. Wow. Yeah, it's such a public thing to have to deal with. Yeah. You know, it's such an intimate thing to have to deal with so publicly. And I think that yeah. a lot of people who are commenting this, going back to what we said earlier, it's like they don't realize that like this is your life that you're living. And this is mm-hmm. an experience that you went through that's really traumatic. And the comments that they're saying being like, oh, she's lying, whatever. It's like yeah. if we're, if tables were turned, it would not be, they would not be saying yeah. that. Yeah, no. I don't think people realize how much strength and bravery it takes for a victim to actually come out and say, hey, this happened to me. Um, It's really sickening even to this day, just seeing, you know, young girls accusing band guys from, you know, pop punk days and being like, this Mm -hmm. happened to me and this happened to me. And, you know, it's real, real girls and real stories and real, um, you know, grooming and things like that. And, to see the tweets of the people being like, they're just making this up for attention. And it's like, why yeah. would they be putting their name on the line to share something so scary, so vulnerable, something that they know is going to be met with assholes who, you know, <laughs> discredit <laughs> yeah. these traumatic experiences. It's just, it's it's so infuriating and I applaud you for you know, doing something so hard and kind of being, you're always, like you said, you know, at the forefront of these movements. And I think those are the, the people in history that like really, really matter. You're not jumping on the bandwagon. You're, you're showing up. Yeah. You're showing, you're starting it. You're showing up with the strength and the bravery and the courage and you're bold like a lion, Megan. (laughs) That's for anyone. That's Megan's song. It's so good. Um, but yeah, Thanks. no, all that fire energy in your birth chart. <laughs> I have a, it's a lot of fire, isn't it? <laughs> you got a lot of Sag, a lot of a Sag. Lot of Sag. <laughs> Even just lately, you know, Megan has shared with me some of her new music and it feels Ooh. the most authentic of anything that I've heard from. Obviously I've been a fan of what you've done always, but like, this is like, yeah. this is like Megan. I don't know. It's like, yeah, this is, sure. this is like the true you. Um, yeah. and I can really feel that, um, coming out and just being embraced and this really beautiful, like screw it attitude, but also just knowing, um, you know what you want and you know what you want to do and just letting go yeah. of everyone else's expectations and, you know, what we've kind of yeah. been talking about this whole episode. Yeah. Well, I love that. Yeah, I definitely feel like I'm in a way better place to put out music and just, yeah, I don't know. I feel really, really good about the stuff I'm doing now. It's so exciting. Yes, so. I can't wait to hear it. That's yeah. so exciting. <laughs> before we wrap, before we wrap, what is your connection to the number 11? I mean, it's probably long, I mean, it's just, oh, it's just, I, it's, it's the, you know, I think it's like, you know, when you're, it's the way I know I'm on the right path, mm-hmm. you know, I yeah. start seeing a lot of 11s. And so yep. it's, it's always been that way. It's like if I ever have a question about something, it's like it'll pop up and I'm like, okay, I know what I need to do. Like wow. it's just a sign for me. Yeah. I love that. So cool that yeah. we 
Uh, we all have 11s on our bodies. Yeah. I know. We yeah. all have a man, <laughs> a man in a tattoo shop drill, drill ink into creating an 11 on somewhere. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I want to know what advice would you give a woman entering the music industry in 2022? Um, I think, you know, just it's it really comes back to like just being your authentic self mm -hmm. you know it's it's so hard to do as a woman i feel like we're always expected to be a certain way or you know a lot of my like reservations you know over the last couple years with new music has just been like getting older like aging i'm like oh my gosh am i like like i know like i'm making better music now and i feel better about who i am now but like am I too old to do this? Like, is it like a thing where it's like, it's not acceptable to age. It's not acceptable to not look a certain way. And so um, I'm, I, I've struggled with that hugely, you mm -hmm. know? And so I think a lot of it is just like identifying who you, who you truly are at the, at the root and then just like exposing that and putting that into, into your music and into your art and just being honest. Cause I, I find that when I'm honest and when I post things that are honest, it it's connects the most. Like people are like, oh my gosh, me too, you know? Right. Um, it, it's just, it's all about like being vulnerable and, and being honest and real and people know when you are and when you're not, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a big important lesson. Um, yeah. And just, you know, not being, not being afraid to just be bold and stand up and say what say what you mean and what you're thinking, you know? Yeah. Like that can get you in a lot of trouble too, but you know, I don't know. For me at the end of the day, it's more important than just being quiet and yeah, you know, going with the flow. The flow. <laughs> I think that's Agreed. really great advice and um we just want to thank you so much for coming on today. I I just Love you so much and I admire you. your strength and vulnerability. And I think this was a really, really great way for people um, who don't know you to get to know you, but also people yeah. who don't know you to become inspired and, you know, channel, channel some inner Megan strength because we can, <laughs> yes. we can all do 100%. very hard things. And um, I'm just really proud of you. So proud of you oh, thank you guys for having me this is fun of course and so for people listening where can they find you what projects do you have coming out in 2022 yeah. what megan Lindsay stuff can we consume i'm on <laughs> i'm on all the things so it's just megan Lindsay. it's m-e-g-h-a-n-l-i-n-s-e-y so i'm on instagram facebook twitter i don't know youtube all the things and um yeah i'm just gonna put out i'm gonna put out some some new stuff probably in january so a whole new project like more Americana Amazing. soul. So good. Stuff, New Orleans so. inspired. Ah, yeah. Horns, so all the things. I'm excited. Oh, fun. So excited. Well, <laughs> we are en uh, ending this episode on 111. So I think it's a good time to wrap here. This is crazy. Yes. Um, but crazy. thank you again. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Diving In. This show is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Chris McCone. The theme song is by Rob Schinelli. As always, if you liked this episode, please share us with your friends and family and give us a five-star review and hit that subscribe button to be reminded when a new episode comes out. If you have any questions for the show, our email is info at divingin.community. To stay up to date with all things Diving In, you can follow us on Instagram at DivingInPod or visit us online by going to DivingIn.Community. See you next time.